You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. It's episode 280 of the New Utah Podcast. Uh, as we record this, um, we're all here. We're, but, we're pre-wedding, but you'll listen to it. <laughs> as you listen to this, Jeremy and Julia are already in Hawaii, I believe. Hell yes. yeah. Yeah. So they fly out, uh, they fly out the day before this goes live. Yeah. Uh, so we fly, we, we, we will be traveling when we would normally be recording. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Cause I yeah. don't think you'll get into Hawaii until after we would usually be done. <laughs> right. Uh, and sometime then, in the evening. Yep. Uh, Bree and I will be flying to Hawaii the next day. I mean, I don't know when you no, listen to this. Two days later, they fly in on Tuesday. We will be flying the day after this releases. Oh, this releases. I thought you meant the day after uh, they fly. And, uh, but who knows when people listen to it? It could, we could have been married four years ago by the time people Truth. hear this. Um, it's, you know, it's a podcast. It's timeless. It's more timeless now than when we used to do like current events every time. <laughs> Yeah. Those weren't as timeless, uh, but I like this, uh, this changed format a bit more. Uh, so Brie and I are going to get married this week, uh, a little bit later this week. Uh, hopefully, uh, it's weird when you say that because yeah, it's fine. It's pre-recorded. It's, it doesn't matter. We're getting married this week. So <laughs> the magic well, of podcasting. I know it's magical. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Can't wait for all that stuff to happen and that to be over. And then I'll and to be, be thinking, over. <laughs> I don't mean to uh, mean, you two I mean, looking forward to it. I'll be pretty bummed when we're done with Hawaii because I'm really excited for this. Because then what? Well, it's one of those things like then when it's on, Halloween, duh. When we went on the cruise and, then and then you Thanksgiving. Spend, <laughs> we went on the cruise and you spent all that time like prepping for it and it's so much fun. We had a great time. Then you get home and you're like, oh, you're like, oh, bummer, it's over. <laughs> Let's not talk about it being over yet. Well, we actually, okay. we actually have another cruise planned in February because <laughs> you know one of the great things about being kidless. Uh, is you can just fucking go on things Travel. whenever you want. Yeah. You're like, Hey, we just, we want to go in the middle of February on a cruise. Um, guess what won't be a lot of on the cruise? Kids. That's true. <laughs> so which cruise line are you going with? Carnival. Carnival. Well, yeah. technically we're not kidless. We're just. No, we're kidless. Empty nesters. Empty nesters. Yeah. They don't live here. So we're yeah, kidless as far as I'm concerned. That makes it sound like we don't have any kids. Yeah. They are. Do. They are still they a don't drain exist. occasionally. One of them has our car right now. Yeah. Because her car or was broken. Or weeks, several weeks ago or something. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we did want to mention uh, a couple of things. Uh, I think City Weekly, uh, cityweekly.net, uh, click on best of. You can still vote. I think this is probably the last week that it's up. I don't know how long they keep it up. Uh, so I, I would definitely recommend going and voting. Um, it's probably the last time we'll talk about the City Weekly voting. Um, so definitely go do that. Um, if you haven't already, let people know that we're the best podcast in Utah. Um, we probably still haven't, <laughs> but, uh, and then, uh, you know, vote for some of your favorite restaurants. We talk about a lot of Let's stuff. Let's do local folks. Don't vote for Olive Garden. Jeez, please don't. And then we've had a lot of really cool guests that would appreciate your vote as well for their different businesses. Me? That's true. That's true. true. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one. Best metaphysical is- store. Do it. Do it. Do it. You champion that vote, Julia. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, so you have to say. The vote name. for the Pleiadian there altar. You go. Okay, now you'll have to spell it because no one knows how P-L-E-I-A-D-I-A-N. to spell it. P L 
E I A D. She's saying it like a cheer. I feel like I should be like N. And then altar A L T A R like worship space. Yeah, because she's a demon worshiper. Sure. And a witch. Whatever you want to call. She's a witch. She's a witch. She's a witch. I'll put a link in the write up, even though it won't. It won't probably matter at that point. But I can still add one. Uh, Also, um, just like my website. Someone else you can vote for is uh, Utah Body and Soul. Um, as oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, the esthetician est- est- place. Yes. I don't know. They do all kinds of crap there. Yeah. Uh, they make you look prettier, make you feel better about yourself and, and physically better. And uh, there's an event. Yeah. They so they have a big. About. So I talked to Ariel the other day and she she loved being on the show. And she said, hey, I've got a thing that I would love for you guys to talk about. And that is one thing. Folks, if we interview you when we have you on the show and then you've got things that come up. If we like you. If we like you, we're happy to talk about it. So so the way it works, and we talked about it on the show, so go back and listen to it. Um, the reps are not allowed to bribe the doctors and the doctor's offices like they used to back in the day. So what this is, is this is all of the reps come and they give all of the free stuff to you, the people. Mm-hmm. So she said, "There's going to be thousands of dollars worth of free." Well, and in this, and in the, in that specific industry with like the Botox injections and all the different creams and oils and cool sculpting, the reps want to entice the patients to use their products, and the people that actually have to give the products to the patients are the clinic. So right, so big event, lots of reps, lots of free stuff. It's October fourteenth at the Utah Body and Soul. And I'll, I've got a link to it. That same thing I'll put in. The, uh, what I found the, in this little group grouping that she said is the first 25 yep. people get VIP pricing on everything. Oh, nice. Which the first like, v- 25 people that RSVP get a member, get membership pricing on everything at the spa. Oh, yeah. So go, go RSVP to which their is uh, thing. The injections, cool scoping, laser, red light therapy, <laughs> massage, so on and so forth. Yeah. We talked about all those different yeah, services on the show. with Ariel on the show a few weeks ago. So. so, yeah, go check it out. October 14th. Uh, that's the Botox episode. It's pretty <laughs> easy to find. It's just search for Botox on our website. It's literally like three it. weeks ago. Well, yeah. I don't know. Something like that. It's probably more at this point. We've done so many episodes. Oh, yeah. We're pre-recording. <laughs> it's probably like a month and a half ago. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a bunch of episodes really close it together for It was in for September. Us. Um, for us, it was like four days ago, but yeah. for you all. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to keep the episode somewhat short this this week. Uh, we're not going to do any kind of other crazy Utah stuff uh, before we jump in with our guest. Uh, so with us this week is uh, Travis Brown, uh, not Travis Braun, which is how the name is spelled, but Brown. Is it? So Is it like German? It is. Yep. Okay. It's German. Say. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. So it's, uh, and I, I will spell it though, because it's important if you want to see any of his stuff. And that's probably a pretty important thing because he is an artist. B uh, R A U N. I'll let Julia spell it. <laughs> uh, Travis is, uh, Travis is a uh, local Utah artist. Um, he's got a ton of work. Um, you know, sometimes when we say like local Utah artists, like, they have, you know, two dozen things that they sell pretty hardcore. I've looked at his galleries. Um, he actually probably paints like a million things a day from what I can get. <laughs> he's speed know. painting. Right? So it's Julia, since he's kind of sort of your guest, why don't you give a little introduction of why we know him? Yeah, he was my middle school art teacher. He got me into art. So that is kind of what sparked it. I mean, I could draw and I would doodle and stuff. And I, I took a class before that with another teacher. I was like, yeah, that's fun. 
but his classes were really like sparked all that. Um, so because of that, I did like my tattoo apprenticeship and then, um, now I've got my, my crafty business that I'm running and all kinds of good stuff. Well, and then in high school, you were the, oh, what was it? The, the visual arts Sterling scholar. Yep. For your art. And you, you did the art for the teacher who passed away, the memorial art. The memorials so, hanging on the school. And then I was in the Springville Art Museum and all kinds of fun yeah. stuff. So you've done a lot with your art since then. So. Mm-hmm. The inspiration sits right here. Interviewing the inner inspiration right? for Julia's Pretty Well, that's, that's very generous of you, but I think you had it all in you. I just <laughs> stirred a little bit. Do, do you still teach middle school? I don't. I'm actually at a high school right now. I'm at Lone Peak High uh, School. Well, so. God bless you for the years that you gave to middle school. Yeah, I was there is, for seven years. That is seven years. I, so I don't know. High, high school might be just as No, bad. it's not. No. No, it's not. I guess we ask his opinion. <laughs> As someone who has never taught kids, I... Uh, Did you ever teach elementary school? I I, I haven't taught elementary. Okay. Both of my parents are retired elementary school teachers. And um, they said, don't do that, or... <laughs> I, I, I just knew that wasn't for me. I, yeah, so... I kind of just fell into the position at, Lone, at um, Ochre Hills at middle school. I never really saw myself doing that, but it just kind of happened. And they called me up and said, hey, we're looking for someone. And so it just kind of fell into place. And then, yeah, now I'm, I've been at Lone Peak for now five years. So middle school, a lot worse than high school. To in teach. my in my experience, it was much more difficult. Yes. And I'll well, just that's ex- when everyone's having their little I'll ex- identity crisis. Yeah, I'll explain to everyone why. In middle school, kids are going through puberty. <laughs> kids are going from, I'm the top of the world in elementary school, but I still listen to my teachers to... I can do whatever the hell I want because I'm going through puberty and I'm a, I'm a person now. <laughs> I'm uh, a person. <laughs> I mean, I could say I'm a man, but it's also little girls going through puberty. Uh, and there's a lot of sexual tension and a lot of rebellion and the smell. And, yeah. And, and I, they, they haven't smell. figured out, they haven't figured out that they should bathe more than like once a week and that their parent, like not all their parents tell them you need deodorant. Do because- their parents not smell them? Well, the thing is, up until like up until you hit puberty, you don't stink when you sweat. Well, no, I, I get that. I've been a kid. I'm just saying, like, don't your don't their parents smell them? I mean, maybe they saw could be them. like me. My mom never saw me, so of course she never smelled me. <laughs> I went through so you know cleaning the bar as a kid. I went through high school for four years. It wasn't until my senior year that I realized I smelled <laughs> like, like booze and ashtrays all day because <laughs> I cleaned bars in the morning and went straight to school. So, and I didn't pick up on that until I was like a senior in high school. Like, oh man, I smell like a fucking train wreck. I'm pretty sure that's a dude thing though. I guess. No, girls are stinky too. No, I mean, not noticing the smell. But yeah, it's the stink isn't even the actual bad part. It's just the attitudes of the kids as they're like getting flushed with hormones. So I, I applaud you for spending seven years in a middle school. That is. That is quite the challenge. That probably took 14 years off your life. It it probably did. It was, it was. (laughs) He had long flowing locks before then. You can't see him. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Now I have no hair. It's all gone. Had yawny hair. (laughs) The thing with middle school is you, you're in it and you're like, this is fine. And then the moment you get out, you realize how bad it was. Yeah. No one, no one. Because you think you're fine during middle school. And then the moment you start high school, you're like, wow, that sucked. Recall this angsty stuff with my kids or with me. No one remembers middle school fondly. That's all. You just kind of block that 
time have you maybe i did maybe i blocked that for me and your kids your kids went to the same school until (laughs) they they were in ninth grade and your kids had a class size of 16 well their their middle school experience isn't the same they they started out in preschool and went all the way to eighth and then their ninth grade year was a high was actually in the high school so so they they actually went to a true middle school no So a junior high is sixth through ninth. These semantics don't matter. Seventh through, seventh through ninth. <laughs> they really don't. But so they they were in the same school. So I wonder if maybe the the weird angsty like we're in a different school and we're at the top of the food chain thing didn't we have lockers happen. now? We're adults. They yeah, still, they never they didn't have lockers. They still weren't ever at the top of the food chain until like eighth grade. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway. So anyway, I, I want to get back to uh, to your story, and I'm, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to go back. We got to ask the first question appropriately, which is, what month were you born in? I was born in August. September. November. Yeah. What, what, what part of August? August 18th. So not quite a Thanksgiving baby, but close. <laughs> Eight, 1880. Yeah. 1880. 1880, is that what you said? Eight. 1880 oh, is my birthday. Like, ah. 1880. You're not that damn old, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not Skeletor. Like, there's no way. So around Thanksgiving uh, time, did your parents go to like a concert? We're trying to figure out why you were conceived. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever asked your parents? I ha- is there anniversary? N- I haven't. It was an elementary school dance. <laughs> no, not because they were in elementary. Because there was a dance that they chaperoned. They were, they were danced teachers. up, oh. dressed up, so they. Oh, you know. okay. Or maybe they were chaperones. The know. music was great. I'll have to go back and ask them now. Yeah. <laughs> well, just think about it. Every time you have a birthday, it's just pretty think easy about when like somebody was conceived in like February or you know yeah. around New Year's or something like that. But yeah, well, it's me. about the same for me. I'm a Halloween baby. So I wasn't conceived traditionally. So yeah, there was no true. romance involved. No, there was not. <laughs> <laughs> Having met your bio dad, Petri there dish. definitely wasn't. <laughs> Let's get it on. Here's the cup. <laughs> he's she, a nice guy, though. Don't make too much fun of him. He's a really nice guy. Uh, your biological dad. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say your. No, my other dad's. Your other dad's a piece of shit. Wow, just going out there with that. Mm. Well, I know him. I've known him it's, for it's true enough thirty plus years. Anyway, back so to, back so Travis, were you born here in the state of Utah? I wasn't. I w- I'm actually initially from Minnesota. Oh, land of a thousand lakes. Yeah, ten thousand lakes, whatever it is. I yeah, know. yep, ten thousand lakes, a million lakes. <laughs> yep, we'll and just so, start guessing. <laughs> there's a. I can't ever remember if it's a thousand or ten thousand. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Yep. Because yep. okay. there really are like just lakes everywhere. Yep. Yep. Everyone. Lakes are important in Minnesota, like the mountains are important out here. Mm-hmm. Like oh, wow. Everyone lives on a lake or has a cabin on a lake or has neighbors or friends on a lake. And there are lots of like hauntings too, like dead people in lakes and <sighs> the lady at the lake. Yeah. I mean, like they're not big fans of horror films in Minnesota. Cause they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're all true there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's but that's, looking at you like you are so weird. That's <laughs> also why there's a lot of hockey up there because those lakes yeah. freeze over in yep. the winter and they get a lot of ice skating. Hockey's cool a lot of hockey eh? hey. hockey is a is soccer adjacent and i learned hockey before soccer so yep i like hockey yeah you betcha yeah. <laughs> so did you uh did you grow up out there then yeah yeah my whole youth and childhood i lived in the same house growing up and um and then uh yeah moved out here in my early 20s go to so school. are your parents still Just, out there my parents are still yep in waconia minnesota waconia Waconia, yep. I grew up, it's about 30 miles west of the Twin Cities. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we were, we were close enough where on uh, major concerts or 
Um, Cheapo was the big used CD store that me and my friends would always go hang out at in Minneapolis. And um, so, yeah, once I got my license, we drove into the cities quite a bit and for concerts and Cheapo and the yeah, Mall of America. Kid, oh, yeah, Mall of there. America. Yeah. Yeah. Kids these days don't want their driver's license. They don't want to drive. It's crazy. I can't I imagine that. That's basically like growing up in Tooele out here. That's how yeah. close it is. It's yeah. about the same distance from downtown. That's kind of cool, though, growing up in a little town like that. Yeah. So there were only like 100 students in my graduating class. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. How many were in yours? About 220. So much smaller. Ours was 1,200. for the smallest. Yeah, but we were, but unlike him, we were two and a half hours from any major city. So it was just what we had there. There was nothing to do except drink, do drugs, and have sex. My graduating class was 655. No, it was more than that. It was like... There's 655. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure yeah. she would know better than you because you suck at remembering. Yeah, stuff. but I suck. Yeah, because I looked at the transcript and it tells you which like uh, rank you are out of 655 students. What uh, What year did you graduate, Julia? Or yeah, me? Julia. You're asking me. Yeah. 2018. Oh, Bingham R- or Riverton? Riverton. Riverton. Hi, 2018. He's going to Google look box it up that because it's. Yeah, like, so I'm even, pretty sure it was 655. <laughs> so even Cassie's class was 235, and she went to Juan Diego. So that. Small class. Keep in mind, also, yeah. not all the students got to graduate and walk. All of Cassie's and Sean's students, all of them walked. They like that in private school to graduate the kids that the parents paid for. Sean's was only 184, <laughs> though, so closer, closer, but still small town. So, was yeah. it fun to grow up in a small town like that, or did you want to be in a bigger um, place? I guess I didn't know any better. I mean, I, I was definitely attracted to a, a lot of the part of the cities. Um, so, I mean, I liked knowing most of the kids in my high school. I, I, I liked that. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really know any better. But it was... there. And looking back, I think there was a lot of great things about it. We grew up and there was a park literally in my backyard. And so we played like Sandlot Baseball down there all the time. And so just growing up in like a small community, it was like... And there was like this... Um, like a weed patch next to our house. Like it was an empty lot. It was actually two empty lots. Now there's two houses built on those lots next to us. So, um, it was just like, yeah, we, you know, caught frogs in the creek behind our house and we played sandlot baseball. And so I, I have very fond memories of it. Um, that sounds a lot. So you weren't like itching to get out or anything. You, you liked yeah. going. And then you said your parents were elementary school students there. Uh, well, my Teachers. mom taught in town. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. My mom taught in that town. It was actually Norwood, Young America. <coughs> and my dad taught in a town like 10 miles away. Oh, fun. So, so, so did you get the itch for teaching from them? Um, that was kind of always in the back of my mind. Like that is a possibility. But I, it's, it was because that I loved art so much and I would wanted to do something art related that I was like, well, how can I make some money, provide for my family doing something art related? So what brought you, I mean, you said you came out to Utah for school, like specifically what school? Like, was it a master's program or? <laughs> so, um, after I graduated high school, served an LDS mission for two years to Guatemala, came back after that, did a year of schooling in Minnesota at, at a local community college. And then, um, I was there and then I had a sister, an older sister out here in Riverton at the time. And so, and I was thinking, well, I applied to BYU and I eventually got in. And so I was like, well, 
it seems like there was a, it seemed like it was a good bang for my buck. Like I was like, okay, well, that seems like a good possibility. I I looked into art schools. I wanted like Minneapolis College of Art and Design. There's a lot of great art schools, but it was like forty thousand dollars a year, yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. I mean, I don't even have any plans. I mean, most artists, you know, I didn't want to be that starving artist that was paying off my student loans for the next 20 years. <laughs> and so BYU just seemed like, okay, well, if I got in there, then, you know, I could graduate and I had a little bit of savings. Um, so it just seemed like, okay, if I could almost basically graduate with very little to no student debt, why not do that? That would have been amazing. I, I finished my final payment just before Julia graduated from my college. Wow. However, my whole college was forty thousand dollars but this was years ago yeah we won't yeah. how long ago it was a long at time ago at least one at least one year ago yep so yeah i that's all that's good and, and i know when i went to college that was the plan but then you know life and so i ended up having to take up students so yeah if you didn't though that's amazing so why was your sister in riverton um she came out she graduated from byu as well oh, so byu is what brought her here i th- I believe so. She was, she's like eight years older than me. And so she was married and had a family and oh. just kind of like settled down here. So she was out here and I was like, well, I can stay in their unfinished basement. Well, I, you know, so it was like I had a place to stay and cheap schooling, cheaper schooling and for a good program. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's a fantastic way to do it for sure. Yeah. So you go to BYU. Um, I assume you graduate because you became a teacher at some point. <laughs> yep. They don't let people that don't graduate usually. You just forged to certificate. Not anymore, anyway. <laughs> did, so did you graduate with a, with an education certificate to be able to actually teach right out of BYU, or did you have to go back for I that? did not. I actually had to go back. <laughs> it's called Alternative Routes to Licensure. And so I had to go back after. I graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and then I went back um, a year or two after I actually got my, I actually had to get offered my teaching position first, and then I was allowed to participate in the alternative routes to licensure. So I had to get a, I know it seems so backwards. It's like <laughs> they made it so difficult for so long. They find, I mean, it's only been in recent years that they've tried to ease up the way that they allow that stuff to happen now. Yeah. Cause they can't keep teachers. Well, you got to pay them more than garbage. Here right. Them, so. <laughs> and treat them like less than. Like the the way that teachers you, are treated. Utah yeah. pays their yeah. teachers pretty anyway. poorly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving right along. So you went back and, and ended up getting your certificate so that you could, your licensure so that you could teach. Yep. yep. And then you were in middle school. Yeah, for seven years. <laughs> you're like, I got this job lined up. It's going to be great. And then you got there and you're like, no one warned me about middle What school. did I get myself into? <laughs> so were you married at this point or did you get married during school? Like how, where did the... Crazy enough, I actually met my wife in Guatemala. She's not Guatemalan. Oh, that's, cool. oh, that's funny. Um, she was down there. Her dad is in construction. Long story short, um, her dad came down to her, their neighbors growing up. Uh, she's from Guatemala, and they started a foundation down there. And so through their neighbors, they had this connection that they went to Guatemala to do this service project for like a month. We happened to be in the same area. I met. I got along with her dad really well. Um, we helped them build like a small little library for the school, the local school there. And, um, so, um, yeah, we hit it off really well. And, and Steve is my wife's father's name. And, uh, <coughs> he said, once you come back from, I was only like two months from being done and, and coming back to the States. And so they just said, Hey, come visit us when you come to Utah. Cause I had plans at that time to come visit my sister. So 
I said, okay, I'll come visit you guys and, and meet the rest of the family because only half of their family came. The My mother-in-law and the younger children stayed home. And so I was like, okay, I'll come look you guys up. And so I was back in the States two months later and looked them up and came and visited them, visited my sister here in Utah and then visited my now wife and her family. And we hit it off and we had a long distance relationship for a year. And um, while I was back in Minnesota doing schooling and she was still out here and um, and then... We got married in, in almost 18 years now. Nice. That's so, awesome. Yep. That's great. So yep. she's from here. Yeah. Yep. She's from Orem. So you're, you're a long distance relationship. So just kind of pegging like when you would have graduated and everything, that's like the budding ages of internet time uh, yeah. where like emails exist and some chat rooms, but not social media quite yet. Like MySpace was becoming a thing. <laughs> uh, this is like early 2000s, right? Yeah. Time yeah. Back. We got married. In I know because I'm just a year younger than yeah. you. So like my life. Yeah. Not even a full. It's like so close though. Yeah. He's July 81. So yeah. Like, but uh, so was this like a, like a pen pal relationship or was it via email? Like this was, interested in I that. remember we were talking on, we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Cause that wasn't a thing. Yep, yet. We had the, the long cord phone. So that was, uh, yeah, I so remember. Kitchen phone where you're like yep, going around the corner and then all of a sudden you realize you're like tangled up in something. Cause cell phones started to gain pretty massive popularity the late, late nineties, early two thousands. And by like 2005, everyone had one cause they, the price had come down. Mostly on plans and stuff had started to come down because prior to that, it was cost prohibitive for the plans, like minutes. I remember I had a prepaid for a couple of years, but back then you used your phone as a phone. That was it. There was no games. There yeah. was right. It no was texting. a phone, and I would charge it once a week. Mm. What? Yeah, because <laughs> there was no other stuff. The battery lasted forever. So, Julia, when your dad and I reconnected, because... Because we went to school, we've already established, we went to school together, um, and then we kind of went our separate ways. I, I got married, he got he went to school and got married and stuff. Um, and so when we reconnected again through social media, I still wasn't texting because it was... It was still like a weird like thing that you had to activate yeah. or, you, you know, and, then you and had so to do he, every he would get letter. really frustrated because he would want to text me. And so I actually added texting to my plan. Just to communicate yeah, used to with have your phone. Aw, so cute. Now texting costs nothing because of Apple. Because yeah, they created to... iMessage. Well, I remember it, the, the first couple times that I te <laughs> was texting, like actually starting to really text and got that first $300 phone bill. And, and he was like, like oh. Good Lord. Because like, every text was like a phone call. Yeah. So like every time you'd send a text or get a text, it was so like a phone call. So you didn't really get a say when you got a text. And well, so, you know those those things that you see sometimes when you sign up for stuff and it's text like and texting data rates, data rates, rates may apply. Yeah. yeah, that's why. So so you were mostly doing long distance via phone then primarily. Yeah, it was mostly late night conversations. Those are fun though, because then it was like, no, you hang up, you hang up, you hang up. I'm sure you fell, I'm sure you fell asleep on the phone. Yeah, yeah, that I've happened. Done that. I've yep. done that. I had phone. one of those clear phones, you know, where you could see all the, in, you know, and then you'd yeah. like, lay, and then all of a sudden you'd like hit a button by accident <laughs> in the other person's ear. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'd Fun both days. Wake back up and talk some more. <laughs> so. My grandparents still had a rotary phone for the longest time and it, it switched over to a button, but you still had to dial. So it would, you'd go like this, but it would just go beep. Yeah. Instead of ch -ch 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 -ch. Yeah. we had a rotary phone as a kid. And then I remember when we got our first touch tone. I was probably eight or nine when we got mm -hmm. our first touchtone phone. That was cool. And then I was in high school when we got our first cordless. It wasn't a cell phone. No, cordless phone. But it was With the big long antennas. Big, yeah, and it looked like a big like 
massive brick. I was in high school, probably my senior year when we got that. I, and I remember everybody's phone looked the same. They were those weird gray phones. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, the days. That's really a cool story, though, that you were able to... <laughs> Meet your wife so far away and have that relationship. Yeah. And, that turns and... into a marriage. Like, that's pretty crazy to have to have so little contact uh, in person. Uh, and in the early stages too, yeah. and to develop that long relationship, so that's how you know, like the relationship is not based off of like bullcrap and lies. And yeah, because like, it's like a, you yeah. have to like, Just, what are we going to talk about each yeah. other and get yeah. to know each other? Yep. Because your profile picture doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have right. really long hair in this picture. Are you sure this is real? Yeah. When I met my wife, I actually had an afro. Oh, oh I'm, that's sure. Awesome. So, I'm sure. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't know you were Latino. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about art. Yeah. When did you start to develop a love for art? When did you start to kind of think, you know what, this might actually be a thing, not just doodling, you know? Back back in, I mean, I remember when I was in elementary school, even, I did art competitions, and, like, the bank would have, like, coloring contests for, like, oh, yeah. Christmas or whatever. And I they'd remember sponsor, those. Yeah. Yeah, and they'd, like, print out, you'd print out the, the picture, and then they, you'd submit it. And McDonald's had did those, too. Did you always too. win? Uh... I, I I only remember re- really maybe winning once, but <laughs> and you want a coupon for a free shake. And, but that's right, enough. Right. When you win once, you're like, I'm good at this. Yeah, pretty much. And so there were a number of things where I oh the biggest thing that I won was the Northern States Power Company had um, a calendar contest, and you had to submit a piece about power safety. And so I did this drawing of like this farmer reaching over an electric fence. And my, my, my title was electric fences can really move you. <laughs> and it was, it was reaching over the fence for a cow, right? There's a big cow there in front. So, um, I, I was one of 12 students that actually made it into the calendar and they gave me stock in the company. What month were you? And, oh, uh, I think I was. Were you September? <laughs> Sorry, I already made this comment upstairs because he's wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt, so it's uh, September when we're recording this. I, I love Zeppelin. I, I wear Zeppelin shirts. I have like six or seven of them. So. They're great. Zeppelin's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, so I won that, and that was a, a big thing that just sparked my interest and love in love and art, and I kept doing it, and um. And then in high school, I actually in middle school, I got into playing guitar. One of my best friends bought a guitar and we started a band. We were actually named Star Larva, rock stars in our larva stage. <laughs> and so, um, or so we thought, you know. Um, and so we, uh, so I played rhythm guitar and I just fell in love with music and rock and roll. And um, however, I was always much better at art than I was at music. And so... <laughs> I felt like those were, I felt like life is too short to be stuck in a, in a job you hate. And so I always just felt like I wanted to do something art related, but I didn't know what, and I didn't know how to make money. And I always heard about starving artists and, you know, art, a lot of artists don't have insurance and how you're going to provide for your family and, you know, just all of that. And so I think teaching was just always in the back of my mind. Like, well, I could always teach art like that could, it's, that's a possibility. And so, yeah, I've just always have loved art and I knew that I wanted to study something in college that I love doing because I've heard of so many different people who, um, once you graduate, like my, like, I, I know so many people that graduated with like 
whatever major, but then they have they their job has nothing to do with whatever they majored in. That's most people, right? Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> and so it's like it, it's like I might as well study these four years in college doing something I absolutely love, and then if if it doesn't work out and I can't do art long term, great. At least I spent these years doing something I loved, and so that's what that was my mentality. And then fortunately, though, <laughs> a teaching job worked out. You know, Hitler wanted to be an artist. That didn't turn out. Are you calling him Hitler? No. I, th- doesn't look a thing point. like I mean, Hitler. you just started with Hitler wanted to be an artist and looked him down <laughs> in the finish. eye. And it didn't work out. Then he wanted to be an architect and it didn't work out. So I'm saying you're lucky that art worked out for you. Because yes. you had one because more you chance. you could have been the next dictator. <laughs> one more chance what? before you were like the next Hitler. Like I that. mean, so you're all thankful. I have German roots. So, there you, know, you go. <laughs> yeah, but like Germans are really cool about that in the way that they're like policing like you can't, you can't name your kid Hitler. Just, you can't have that stuff up. Look, so, I just no, heard our just teachers not. are like Hitler. That's all I heard. <laughs> From thing. who? Some of them can your be. Your dad. You know, Germany's so like, like okay. I am like the least artistic person and I hate like doing art. I, I hate it. it. Like it gives me anxiety. We once got a... a, a you guys did the painting s- night, didn't you? The girls? Did you go on no. the wine painting? Oh god, night? I would no. never do that. That would like I would have to take into Xanax. I'm not kidding. They an art teacher one time gave us a thing that you were supposed to doodle in the margins of your homework. I actually gave it to my dad. I I don't doodle. I literally I make stars, hearts, and a sad face and a happy face, and that's all I do. So like when I when people are artistic, like Julia or you or my youngest daughter uh likes to draw, I'm just like that is so cool because, yeah, I if I draw a cool stick figure, I don't know, like, good oh, on me. But my mom can art. draw. And I, I always can't. loved art, and hopefully some of that's what rubbed off on Julia. Even though you, teach. I still have your college art supplies that I use. Oh, that's what's got that's what got you through college is my thousands and thousands of dollars. All the worth of markers and stuff. chart packs and all of that stuff that I nice. I bought in college. But if you take care of it, it lasts forever. Yeah. But no, I always loved doing art and i and i know for me i noticed when julie was quite young that she was good at it so i always encouraged her and then i would tell her you need to take some classes because you've got raw talent but you need to find a teacher who who can help you so with that being said how do you help students i mean because i'm sure you get the whole range those that don't even want to be there it's just the required like class and then those that are really interested and have talent but just need guidance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the biggest thing um, when it comes to helping students is I always, I, I almost always try to allow them to draw or paint things that they're interested in or passionate about. I think that was the best part was the, it was like a copy of Masterpiece. You can pick any painting in the whole world by any artist that you wanted to copy and then you just did it. What so you were teaching you forgery. Got it. <laughs> art, art forgery. No, but the point hey, was it was like there's you big money do in whatever that. you want, you know? I've been to FanX. There's a lot of money in that. Yeah. So what did you do? Because I know we've got a lot of your art that we still have at home. What did you do for that one? Do you even remember? Um, The the one with the, <laughs> the car. two people in the rain with all the colored splatters. Yeah. Yeah, that so was that class. We still have that somewhere, floating around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mom That's had cool. it up. Mom had it up on the shelf for a while. Yeah. So you, you just... Kind of give them more of a of a freedom so that they can kind of figure out what they like. Yeah, I think being because I mean, if you if you're my experience has been if you force students, young you know budding artists, you have to paint this apple or you have to paint this pear or and they're just like this sucks. I you know I I don't want to be doing this. So I try and you know for me it 
part of the reason why I love doing art is because a lot of my art is music and, you know, there's a lot of music influence in my art. And so that's part, you know, when I'm doing research and I'm reading, you know, I'm reading through a few hundred songs by the Beatles or whoever, uh, Zeppelin or whatever. And, but it, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like research when, when you're enjoying it. And so I feel like it's the same thing. If, if students are able to, or if anyone is able to just paint or draw something that they're interested in or love, you know, um, if, uh, you're drawing a, a portrait of your pet, you know, that, that you love or whatever, whatever it is, I think that, <coughs> that, um, when, when you're invested emotionally in it, it's a lot easier and more enjoyable to do. Um, rather than here, paint this landscape. Yeah. And then I also took ceramics from him. I was just going to ask what other mediums. You could make anything you wanted. You just have to have a piece by the end of the week. That's when you made your Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, my little Winnie the Pooh jar that Hannah still has. Yeah. So, so it was make whatever the heck you want. Yeah, but what I know you, you I know you're kind of like, eh, but for I a thought it was fun, seventh but... or eighth grader, it's pretty good. Sean made I mean, like a little great, but... gerbil-y thing. I don't know what that blue thing is upstairs. Yeah. So when my daughter was in school, but she, she didn't quite have that freedom. And so she ended up stopping doing art for a while. And now she just kind of does it on the side to release like that's not what she's going into yeah but her stress releaser but it's kind of yeah it's what she does to just kind of when i, was, I need a break <laughs> when i was yeah. a kid in art class we all made ashtrays but back then people actually used ashtrays <laughs> and knew what they were now if a kid made an ashtray i think everybody else would be like i think you need to make cigar trays because uh, well, yeah that's that would be better but yeah i remember we all made ashtrays. i don't think you should have yeah. kids make things that encourage smoking this was I, that's the why late, i asked jeremy to do it there's always the, the kid that makes the pipe or whatever late 70s dude you could still smoke in the airport and the restaurant, yeah, but they did have the non-smoking zones. And I know on planes, they still have the non-smoking signs, which doesn't... That's because idiots still try to light up on planes. Well, I know. But I remember I remember as a kid flying, and they'd have the, the smoking and the non-smoking section of the plane. Like they still say, make a difference. They still say you can't smoke in the laboratory on a plane, too, because idiots try, try to, to go to back it. there and smoke in the bathroom. Yeah. I remember, like, I remember going to Kmart, and people were just smoking away and as a mm-hmm. kid. Like, I mean, it was... I mean, you didn't think anything of it because that yeah. was just life. It it's was just... that way as an adult for me. I lived in Wyoming. Oh, yeah. They still smoked until long after I was done with, like, being grown up and having The bonus of living and... in Utah. Well, yeah. shocker, that, yeah, Utah was probably the first state to... No, it was not. No. Now it's no? just vapes everywhere. California is the first state that does yeah. it. Well, everything causes cancer in California, so you got to be careful. <laughs> Your pillow causes cancer. California is the first state to do everything. They had the first Clean Air Act. Utah's Indoor Clean Air Act was modeled much like off of California's, but they weren't the first. They were, like, in the middle of the pack. Because their Clean Air Act didn't happen until... 2000-ish, I think, right hmm. before yeah, the Yeah, you'd be surprised basically. how late all that stuff Maybe. came about. Yeah. I think it's just I grew up with it. So anyway, ashtrays, those were popular. We all made ashtrays in my art I class. Did, yeah, I didn't do that. So <laughs> I want to I turn to your art a little bit because um, I've looked at quite a bit of it. And you have, I mean, really two primary focuses in terms of the type of art that you do. One is portraits, yep. uh, and and another is abstractionism or abstract art. I want to, which talk- I feel like are really different. Like, because one is like really yeah. exact, uh, they, they and one really is different. like something that I could even potentially do. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm and I'm I'm curious first about portraits because portraits are really hard. hard. Like getting them right, even even in a in an interpretive portrait, like getting a portrait right is super difficult. It's yeah. one of the hardest things for a lot of people in the artistic world. So why why is it that you do so many portraits and you and you like portraits so much? Um my when I did my BFA show, um there was this quote by John Singer Sargent that said, if man is the highest form of creation, then the recreation of man in a painting is the highest and most, most challenging form of painting. So I, I related to that and I, and I just felt like if I'm going to, I, I guess even at a young age, I loved drawing more figurative stuff or more people and faces. Um, and I just felt like, it was just more challenging and exciting because obviously like when, <coughs> when, when, when something is more challenging, if you nail it, it's the reward is so much greater. And so I felt like if I, if I, so I guess a couple of things because music was also a big part of my life as well. And I, I, I just idolized these rock stars. Um, all the nineties grunge, you know, musicians. And, and, uh, I just fell in love with that. And I guess that's where I started. <coughs> well, technically, I guess I started <coughs> drawing logos from the bands. I'd start out drawing like the Guns N' Roses and the Aerosmith and Nirvana. And I think you know, everybody did that. Like yeah. on their notebook. Well, except for Brie. Everybody did those like on their notebooks at school, the, the Nirvana smiley face yep. and the, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's that was like my first intro to like Metallica. Yep. Yep. Metallica. Yeah. Uh, I, I could mean, have maybe done that. That was just letters. Or the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo. That was an easy one. All right. Um, yeah. So I think that um, because I, I I love these rock stars so much, I just kind of fell into, and I don't I don't know why. I just I guess I've just naturally been drawn to to drawing and painting people. Um, and I think music played a big part in that as well. And, and how would you, because your portraits aren't just like regular portraits. There's a bunch of, of color and expression that goes into. So you have, for people who haven't seen his stuff, and you can go see it at uh, tbrownstudio.com, spelled B-R-A-U-N, not B-R-O-W-N. Um, but for people who can't see it, it's, you know, you have... What looks to me like maybe some some black and white like pencilish uh portraits, but there's tons of color and expression that is it's not a background, it's not a foreground, it kind of flows in and out of uh of the portraits themselves. So, you know, what's the inspiration there? You know, what's the the, the what are the mediums that you're using for most of these and, and kind of why have you gravitated towards that? Funny enough, um I when I was doing my BFA show in um at BYU, I did a Bjork piece and it was um a piece where uh I don't know if you remember the Bjork dress. Absolutely. Her, her swan dress. How do you not remember and, that? Yeah, and so You're Julia and you're not born yet? Yeah, she and doesn't know who Bjork it, is. It was it was uh the title of the piece was Bjork Swan Went A Wall. <laughs> and so you saw part of her breast. Right, because the head of the head of the swan came around on her on her breast, and so BYU was that okay? Well, that's the thing; it was very abstract. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but but funny enough, um, so 
there was a very, very abstract, like funky looking nipple thing there. And it did, it actually did get taken down from my BFA show. <laughs> and I was, I, nah, that was a whole nother story. And I was kind of upset about the whole thing. Because, That's too bad at the U. You would have probably gotten an award. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, so I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but that's kind of, that was the first piece that kind of got me into doing like this abstract, um, like with really abstract colors in the background, uh, expressionistic painting in the background and then doing a portrait over the top. Um, and so my, this process has been developed over, uh, honestly, probably like eight years I started doing, and funny enough, this style of of my work um, started out as a project with my students that I was doing. We did because I, I was teaching abstract painting in 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 class, and then I was like, "Well, how can I?" Because I, I I loved the the looseness and the the expressionism and the the ex, kind of just experimenting that curiosity of just you know seeing what happens with the paint. But then I also liked this really tight exact and precise um accuracy that i get with with a portrait because you're like if it's going to look like that person you have to make sure that it's it's accurate and and you're you're careful and you're tight with it so i really like those two um kind of opposite feels um or those opposite styles kind of meshing and so um i guess that's how i i just started out and so essentially what i do with my portraits I, I do abstract, I do like a hundred, a couple hundred abstract paintings and then I scan them and then I digitally layer them in Photoshop. So it's kind of like double, how you used to like double expose Mm -hmm. a photograph. So you're seeing, so like, and then when I make these abstract prints, you're seeing like two or three different abstract paintings layered. And then I make a print of it. And then once I print it out, (laughs) I... I draw, hand draw the portrait with pen and ink. So that's now your sketchbook, so to speak. Or your, right. Your yep. So that's that. how you get kind of that movement, that flow, and, yeah. and that dimensional look that you have. Yep. So one thing I've noticed in art is if, if you're going for near photorealistic, if you're off at all, your brain's like, something's not right with that. That's wonky. But if you put an abstract element to it, it doesn't matter because your brain's no longer looking at it as photorealistic. Yeah. But if if it's photorealistic and you are not dead on, it's like the tattoos that are it's photorealistic or it's not. And if it's not, it's so uncanny. So you're doing you're doing your portraits in ink though on top of these yep. abstract prints. Yep, oh, on that's top of such a great idea. Yeah. Is that is that something that you've noticed that any other artists have done, or is that something that you just kind of? I haven't. I mean, there, I'm not. I'm like, not saying there I'm might not, be somebody right, out there. Right. But this was something that, as far as you know, like you didn't copy someone else like this Correct. is that's really cool yeah. what do you call like do you have a name for this i just call it uh just mixed media portraits yeah i mean because <laughs> I, I do painting but and, and that's part of the problem why maybe some of my art isn't quite as valuable is because it's not like i've painted the background like and but a, a big part of of like making the color pop or you know layering and a big part of that background is is, is the digital aspect to it and so, you know, I, for some people, I might turn them off, but um, it's just kind of what I've stumbled on. And, and I love the the um, flexibility of working digitally, at least in one aspect of it. And so it's, you yeah. Need, I, and I think that's 
that's one of the things I think that has changed a lot in art, obviously, over the last oh, 20 yeah. or so years. But it's, it's perhaps going to change even more is the involvement of digitally because, you know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do four abstract paintings, scan them, and then layer them on top of each other digitally to produce something entirely different as, as a, as a, as a blank space. Right. And yeah. now you can, cause there's, there's so much you can do digitally now with these tools. I mean, well, yeah, artists that just entirely do everything on a digital platform. Computers now. are just another tool. So, so for me and what I do in architecture is, my field was drawn by hand for 700 plus years. Yeah. It's funny because when people ask me, well, can't you just push a button and change that on the computer? No, no. All AutoCAD is is a digital pen, basically. Yeah. Every line you see, I still had to draw. Just instead of doing it by hand, I'm using a computer. A lot of that goes with the art. You're still drawing everything by hand. Yeah. You're still doing all the individual pieces. You're just using another tool to bring it all to together. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and you need to use your German other, and call that the Brown method. <laughs> <laughs> See, then it sounds cool. I like that. I'm using the Brown method. <laughs> yeah, because just... it's not spelled like the color, like it even looks. See, anything with Better. art, if it's a German background, people are like, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you if you did that, you would have yourself a new art form See? that you would be the top of and the okay. creator of. Okay. Right. You already here first. Copywritten. <laughs> we'll use that hashtag, Brown Method. There you go. And, and one of the things that I really like, if you look through some of the pieces, not all of them have this because the way the abstract stuff comes in, but you can definitely tell, for instance, you've got a piece with Run DMC where they have gold chains and the gold is very purposefully placed on the chains or like there's a, a Bono piece where he's got the stupid Bono sunglasses that are like the the, it, the highlight is the the iconic part of the yeah and not all image. and not all of them have no. it right like it's it's only a few but that's a really cool way to utilize those mediums because I think with the abstract background it both stands out more and blends in more it's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that iconicism, love though, because like I don't think Bono really has eyes, because nobody's actually ever seen him, <laughs> or he's just blind, little. they're or just something. Little. But if he wasn't wearing his glasses, you may not even know who he is, because they're so iconic. Yeah. So that's really cool that you take that as the focal point and make that pop. For, that's very cool. Yeah, for for us, like if you look around the house, it, other than like photos, the art that we have is. I, I, I use the word weird, but not, but I I just mean it because I don't have another way to abstract. explain it. But it's it's not even just abstract, but it is it's kind of that that layered or that unusual look. Like we knew an artist um, who would take old paintings that you find at Cat DI Palmer or whatever, or and then not, she would add geek elements to Cat it. Palmer. So we have not not Cat Palmer. She's the photographer. It's the other cat, Cat Martin. Cat Martin, the other cat. So, Wrong cat. And then she would draw geek stuff. So like we have a barn with a TIE fighter crashed into it. We have like a forest with the labyrinth characters. We have like, so if you like look around, it's, it's that guy. And I think that's why Chris is like really excited because that's, that is the kind of art that we like where there's that weird, like I said before, that juxtaposition between Mm -hmm. like a reality and a fantasy thing or, or a, an abstract thing where it's not, but where you look at it and at first your brain is like, Oh, normal. And then you go, Oh, not normal or Oh, abstract. Oh, wait, not all of it's abstract. And, yeah. and it makes you kind of think. So I think it's, I mean, it's cool. It's a great platform. Thanks. Thanks. The brown method. So <laughs> yeah. So the, the brown method, uh, <laughs> 
you, so you do focus on, like you said, because of your love of music, there's a ton of musical influence. There's a ton of pop culture influence. Have you ever been reached out to by any of these people or bands or, or pop culture folks to uh, purchase your art or have a piece done? Um, not necessarily in a positive way. Uh, <laughs> I've had, you know, there, uh, I posted a number of the pieces, especially like the band posters. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted those on Etsy a while ago and, uh, you know, I got the cease and <laughs> desist letter, and desist. you know, yep. <laughs> and so it was like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I just wish that they would. It seems so anti rock and roll. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> you guys, you guys in that instance are the man. Like, why don't you just reach out to me and be like, if if my art is good enough where it's going to threaten your sales of whatever you, you reach out to me and say like okay we want our our portion of the we cut we want a royalty okay great I'll I'll work with you let's let's do something but if it's just like fan art and then it's like well why are you threatened by it why why yeah, yeah so. fan art is a whole it's well, all and, and it's real weird yeah. realistically they don't have a lot of basis to come after artists because it is art it is your interpretation of them right like it's not. There's a lot of precedents in court where they can't actually do anything about it. Unless it is a full-on dead copy of a poster. Which is why you go to a place like Fanex, and it is aisles and aisles and aisles of people recreating characters that are someone else's work. Which we want to say again, do not take (laughs) someone else's art interpretation to the original art creator and ask them to sign it. So don't go to... Don't go to John Jones, <laughs> who so the, drew Spider-Man, so the and then original, take it to the original Spider-Man artist and ask him to sign that. <laughs> the guy that the guy that drew that originally created Deadpool was at Fanex yeah. one year, and there were it was like he, his booth was busy the entire weekend with people having him sign stuff. And I don't know how many times that people handed him art. stuff they bought from a vendor down the row that had done some oh sort of an interpretation. We're like, hey, can you sign this? And he's like. Sure, twice as much. <laughs> like, yeah, just buy his art. <laughs> That's crazy. What the hell, people? <laughs> like, people just don't. I, I think, I think if you're not artistic minded and and like my mom would draw and stuff, but I mean, you have to. It's almost like you have to teach people. This is my art, and it means something to me, whether you get that or not. It's my creation, and I don't want to sign somebody else's interpret of my interpretation <laughs> of my art. Yeah, it's not like it's a photograph that somebody took of you, and they're asking you to sign it, which is different. It's it's something you create, like that's yeah. So people, when you have an artist, don't ask somebody else to sign this interpretation. It's weird. Yeah, you wouldn't go to Emmett Smith, like take his jersey to like Ezekiel Elliott, and be like. Zeke, will you sign this jersey for me? Like, right. It's messed up. I don't understand it. What's your what's your favorite piece that you've ever done? Oh man. You gotta it's like picking your favorite um, kid. Everyone knows you actually have one, whether you want to say it or not. So. I don't have a I don't have a You're a liar. <laughs> um Right answer, Bree. Right answer. My Beatles one is probably the most popular. I really love uh, the colors. I love the colors and the funkiness of my Flaming Lips piece. Um, Zeppelin is my favorite band of all time. So I, uh, I don't. Um, I really love the way the Tom Waits one turned out too, though, and the Pearl Jam one. Uh, that well, no, I'm not. I'm not picking just one right now. Now but, the Pearl Jam one. Now that he's gone through all fifty that are up on that. <laughs> um, me. 
I don't know. I, may, maybe the Flaming Lips one because they're it's just so w- weird and specific to them. Um, the Flaming Lips is by far not my favorite band out of all say, the they're bands. They're pretty that weird and, and specific on their own. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like the colors in that one and just the if you look up up in the upper right corner, it says the Flaming Lips, but it's kind of hidden and it's funky and um, I don't know. I, I feel like that one fits them really well but well we've got one more question for you then we'll let you tell everyone where they can find your stuff or uh, what high school they can go to to have their kids <laughs> taught by you. <laughs> um you've been in utah for for quite a while now you've you've chosen to basically put down roots here for for uh uh you, you know your life um what's the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about utah in your time here Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I feel like maybe the, well, the first thing that came to mind was the, the landscape here, but I feel like that's probably what a lot of people would say. Um, yeah. And so I guess I'll go with something else. I'll go, I guess I'll say that one of my experiences has been with Utah is that, um, because of the LDS culture here, it's it's both good and bad. Like, uh, obviously, like you can sometimes have your neighbors up in your business, and you're just like, "Leave me alone," you know. I, I'm more of an introvert. I don't want to be bothered, you know, type of thing. But and and I can totally understand that. <coughs> and at the same time, I feel like there have been so many times where I've been uh, like in a jam, like my furnace went out, and I just like post on the neighborhood Facebook page, and like ten minutes later, I have someone over there helping me. And, and, or like this has happened so many times, like we ripped the roof off of my, off my house. We were re-roofing and I had a dozen guys show up on a Saturday morning, you know, to help me rip my roof off. Um, you know, and another time my front door, I was working on my front door for like an hour. Uh, it was cold outside and I, one of the hinges was like, all, all the screws were stripped and it was like, I was getting to this point where I was like cussing and I was like, oh, it's so frustrating. And I was trying to get these screws out that were stripped. We're not using the store anymore. <laughs> and so, you know, my wife, like, could tell, like, I was needing help. And she posted on the neighborhood, you know, Facebook page. And, you know, 10 minutes later, I had a guy over there helping me. And so I think that that's one of the u- really unique things about Utah, at least from my, from my experience, is the fact that I feel like I could name, like, 20 of my neighbors. And, and I feel like I know something, you know, about them. Whereas, like, even growing up, like, or my parents back in Minnesota, I feel like maybe they know, like, four or five of their neighbors, but not, like, 20, like, half the neighborhood almost. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, <laughs> we've had an experience here. Like, we don't, we know our neighbors by name. We don't hang out with them a ton. You know, we're not, we're not part of the church, so we don't have that tie in with, with a lot of them. But the neighborhood as a whole is. This circle, like, they're amazingly friendly with each other and we look out for each other. Like we don't have porch pirate problems in our circle. We do in other parts of the neighborhood, but it just doesn't happen here because there's always people paying attention. And, and the next door neighbor who got sick and came over. I think that's the story he was headed toward. Yeah. Like two houses down, we have, we have a a couple that has a a few kids and one of their, one of their children had lots and lots of problems. She was was born prematurely and so had all of the problems that came along with it. And so in, on more than one occasion, you know, frequently the, the fire department and, and ambulance were, at the bottom of the circle, 
taking care of the baby because something had happened. And we were lucky enough that for a while, this house next to us had a NICU nurse. Labor and delivery nurse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Between us, like right next door to them. And she helped them out a lot. But one night. So it's like 2.30 in the morning and we wake up to someone screaming bloody murder. And I go check the kids at first, like, cause as mom instinct, like, and half sleepy brain, I'm like, it's a kid and my kids are, rooms are quiet. By the time I had shorts on and was running out the door. Every neighbor, every neighbor in the circle was already running towards the house. Uh, and you know, that's just kind of the neighborhood that we live in. Like everyone was running there. By the time Bree had called emergency, they're like, yeah, we've already been called by like three other people. So it's not, you know, and that's something that is fairly unique. Cause I remember growing up and there's no way in hell that would have happened in my neighborhood <laughs> in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. So I do feel like for better and for worse. Yeah. I feel like there's a real sense of community. Yeah, Definitely. I, that's a, that's I don't know that anyone's really said that before in five years. So that's nope. a that's a really good I would one. agree with that. You're right. Lots of people do talk well, about that. Why were the, they screaming? We're invested oh, now. Oh, sorry. So, We've told so, the story we forget. <laughs> so the their baby had so the mom had gotten up and she was in the in the bathroom and the kids were very aware of their little brother or sister's problem. I think it's a girl, but um she had stopped breathing she or was, something. And she was sick and she had gotten so hot that her body had stopped. So she had a really bad fever and, and their dad works at nights so that they have somebody there in the nights and the days and stuff. And, and so she like, like was trying to run they, around and she brought the baby to the front door and was just, they think because she had the set door. the baby down on the threshold, like the, with the door open and the door jam with the door open. Cause this is the middle of winter. That mm. that actually cooled the baby down enough that she started breathing again before the emergency folks got here. Yeah, uh, it was really crazy. And the NICU but. nurse, of course, like as soon as she checked on her kids, figured out it was them, and she's next door helping and stuff. But like, I feel like even though like we're not like involved with it, if if I were to ever have something happen, somebody would come. Somebody mm-hmm. would rush over here and help. There were like in the winter, there have been times where. Um, he's been gone and I've been shoveling and two different neighbors have just come over and been like, Hey, we'll just help yeah, you shovel. Not even members of the church no. in, in that yeah. instance. And just, and just, they'll just, Hey, well, and I'm like, what, you know, can I get you a drink? Can I, you know, when the time it was a kid. And so I was like, Hey, can I offer you money? And they're like, no, just, yeah. we were out shoveling. We have shovels. We'll help. And, yeah. and it's, it's nice. You're right. It's it's a great place to we've, live. We've group shoveled the literally the street so people could get up and get Help, out. To yeah, work because our street's kind of slanty, down. and sometimes you can't, and so people notice that somebody's stuck at the bottom. We just group shovel all the way up the top. Yeah. Nice. Like so, that's really Good, cool. Yeah. So, where can people find your art? What school do they need to go to to <laughs> have their kids taught by you? <laughs> so I have a website. My website is t looks like brawn b r a u n studio dot com. And then I also, uh, on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. I don't really post that much on Facebook, but you're an artist. Instagram is the place for you to post. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, <laughs> uh, T Brown studio, T Brown. And my last name is Brown, but it looks like Brown. Um, and T Brown studio on, on Instagram as well. So awesome. And soon to be the Brown method. Yes. 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 I already used the hashtag. The Brown <laughs> nice. method. That might be the like show. That. In fact, I think that will be the, the show. Brown title is the Brown method. All right. So thanks so much for joining us. We really thank appreciate you for it. having me. It's been awesome. And that's going to do it for the show tonight, folks. Um, if you, uh, I don't care if you liked it, just share the episode. I, I'm, I'm done caring about liking it or not liking it. Um, but you can follow us on social media at TNU podcast, uh, and go out to our website, the new Utah.com. 
Um, that's where you can see everything. You'll, we'll have links to, you know, the cityweekly.net voting. We'll have links to Travis's, uh, Instagram, uh, and his, his website. Um, links to, I don't, the body and soul stuff. Whatever Jeremy decides to put in the blog. Yeah, lots of stuff. I link things and links. Lots, lots and lots of stuff out there on the (laughs) website. I also want to, uh, uh, give a shout out to Folk Hogan. They do our intro and outro music. Um, you know, we don't always talk about them, but they're amazing. And they are, um, doing concerts again. Yeah, they're doing shows. So um, look it up and see when they're playing next. Not like they were before the COVIDs, but at least they're getting back out yeah, there. they're getting some shows, so go see them, go support them. Um, that's, they're nice guys. They deserve it. You know, for a lot of folks that are in that space, that is a big chunk of their livelihood. And maybe so. you should check and see if uh, Nick Passy and the Perpetual Sadness are... I'm still so mad that he poor, calls me that. I know, that poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> 